Thank you, and good morning, guys, and welcome this morning to our our service. Uh, it's great to see you all. Uh, it's really lovely to have a time of fellowship together. As our brother shared with us this morning already, um, imagine if we weren't. Imagine if God just ripped from us every ability to understand life and to take from us what people seek most in life, and that is to find life. Um, imagine that. We would be absolutely we would never be able to do it on our own. We would never be able to do it. The Bible tells us that none seek after God, not, not even one. And so number one rule in life is to never think yourself good enough to have found God. That's a pretty amazing thought, isn't it? Number one rule in life, never thought you, think yourself good enough that you found God, that somehow you were able to work it out for yourself, as most people try and do in life. But rather, he found us. He came looking and he found. And this morning, if you, if you know and hear the tug of God or the knock of God on your heart, I urge you and beg you this morning not to resist it, not to resist the, the hand and the love of God that always and continually reaches out to you and wants you to know him and for him to, to know his love as well. Just like the church, the church is a place where you can feel uh, a sense of belonging, you can feel like you are part of something uh, bigger than yourself, it's a place where you can feel loved and you can feel cared for, this is the church. The church as we know is more than just a team, it's more than just a, a group of people, it's more than just a community, the church is a body, it's a body. And the body must work together, and the body works together and cares for one another. I don't know about you, but I've said this before, that if my little finger is hurting me, boy, the rest of my body knows about it. You know? And so the, the, the body is like that. That's how the body works. And so we care for you. We really care for you. Uh, and we want you to know that um, if you uh, have needs of any kind that we can help with as a church, then we want to be able to reach out and help in those ways. Let's pray. Let's pray this morning and ask God's blessing on his word. Father in heaven, thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you for the opportunity to come and worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Uh, We come before your word now. We want to understand it. We want to dig deep into it. We want to take it like food for our souls, nourishment for our souls, my God. And we pray this morning that you may feed us your daily bread that you give us what we need, that we may have life and godliness, that you give us what we need, that we can know you more clearly and, and deeply, that we may walk with you, Lord Jesus. We pray for every hearty this morning, uh, those who've been with us for many, many years and those who are here for the first time. We pray your hand of blessing be upon us, that you open our hearts, that we may hear your word, receive it, and obey it, my God. We thank you and we pray uh, that you help me, that you guide us now, as we listen intently, in Jesus' name, amen. Um, Let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, the Gospel of Matthew in chapter 6, and I want to read a short passage um, from verse 31. Verse 31, we'll read that one together. And I want us to, I want us to try, and try and capture what Jesus is saying here, try and understand what Jesus is saying here. 
he's obviously speaking here on the, on the Sermon of the Mount, on the Sermon on the Mount, and he's, he's speaking a whole range of things to the people. He wants to, he wants to communicate a whole range of things. But this is one area for God's people, the people of God's kingdom, to understand and to receive very simply, very simply this morning. And I pray that you are encouraged by the words. Listen to what Jesus has to say. He says, Therefore do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added to you. Therefore do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about its own things, because sufficient for the day is its own trouble. What a remarkable passage. What a remarkable passage. That Jesus is trying to communicate to his people a very simple truth. I've got this. Very simple truth. I've got this. And what I want you to be interested in is getting on with what really matters in life, and that's the kingdom of God. And it's a remarkable truth that really digs deep and really, really tests and challenges the kinds of things that we seek in life. And I want to ask you a few things, because when we think about the calling of God in our life, the calling of God is quite a gift. No one really seeks after God. No one really wants God by nature. So when God calls a person into the kingdom, it's quite a gift. God has gifted you. God is wanting you to understand something quite unique about the character of God and that his calling on your life is a gift, it is quite unique, and it is quite an honor. No one ought to take this lightly to know that you know God. When you say to someone, I know God, it's not a light thing to say. There are many gods and many things that people seek, but I believe when people seek God truly with all their hearts, they find Jesus. It's very hard not to. God promises this. But in our lives, we're on this kind of adventure to try and find what life is. But it's very simple. God's people seek God's kingdom. It's really not complicated. So I wanted you to think a little bit about this morning. What is it that occupies your time? What is it that actually occupies you? That you find yourself constantly engaged in? that you find yourself constantly doing, that you find yourself constantly uh, you know, wanting to be part of? What is it that actually occupies you and your time? And then with a slightly little twist to it, what is it that preoccupies you? What is it that actually takes the attention, your attention, the, the engagement of your mind? Perhaps you can even say your distractions in life. What is it that actually preoccupies you? Because when you look at these things in life, that's not what God designed you to be. God did not design you to occupy yourself and preoccupy yourself with things that do not relate to the kingdom. Because he asks us to do something very simple. He says, seek first 
the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. So he takes the way that the world goes about occupying themselves and preoccupying themselves. He goes about in the order that the world does it and he flips it around. And he says, you know what? This is how the world does it. It looks after themselves. It wants to make sure it's secure. It wants to make sure everything's safe. It wants to make sure everything's settled. And he flips it around and he says, I want you first to seek the kingdom of God and I'll take care of the rest. And then I hear people say things like, when I'm too busy to read the Word of God. Too busy to be at church. I'm too busy to be with my family. And I think, wow, that's interesting because it's not the heart that God communicates through Jesus. That he wants us to preoccupy ourselves and occupy ourselves with the kingdom of God. And then trust him that these things will be added to us. Do you see what he's saying? And so Jesus, in his words, as he always does, is very challenging. He, he, he wants us to come to a place where we can trust him and hold on to him like our life depends on it. Oh, it does, doesn't it? Our life depends on it. Trusting and knowing that our life does not depend on other things more than the grace of God, more than the love of God, more than the truths of God. So he asks us to do something and he uses the word seek. Now that's an interesting word because when we look at the word seek, it's got this idea of, I'm sure some of you would love or some, some of you have loved and have watched and probably enjoy a really good crime investigation movie or a series that involves investigating crime. And if you look at these people who do these sort of, make these movies and the people who act in these movies or in these series, it's like their life is consumed with every little detail about the crime. As they go about investigating things, as they go about inquiring about things, everything consumes themselves. They see a little uh, clue here and they see a little clue there and they see what could possibly be being pieced together in order to work out who did the crime. Well, this word seek has an idea like that. It has an idea that Christians become so preoccupied with the kingdom of God that every little thing in their life relates to it. That every little interaction in their life is connected to it. Every word they speak Everything they do, every place they go, every place they're working, every relationship they have, whatever it is, it is preoccupied by the kingdom of God so much so that they look and investigate and inquire and see God's kingdom in everything. And therefore they seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And I think that's okay for Jesus to... uh, uh, um, ask us to do this because as the creator of this world and, um, and as God's, um, uh, as the son of God, he, he wants to give us what life and tell us what life is really about. We are to see God's kingdom in everything, whether it's work, family, socializing, leisure. This is where God's kingdom is seen. Paul sums it up beautifully in Galatians 2.20. He says this, I have been crucified with Christ. Then he says something quite significant after that. He says, it is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives 
in them. And then he says something even more interesting. He says, and in the life which now I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So he sums it up really beautifully in the book of Galatians chapter 20 because what he wants to communicate to the people of God is that his life is now consumed by Christ. His life is now dictated by the character of Christ, by the truths of Christ. Because now the life that he lives, he lives by faith or the faith of the Son of God because it's him who loved him and gave his life for him. And when Christ, when we understand that the Lord Jesus Christ lives in us, if we're truly God's people and the Son of God lives in us, then the Son of God looks and only seeks for the kingdom of God. And this is what preoccupies us. This is what occupies our mind and engages us in everything that we do. That even if I am doing something socially with my friends or my family, and even if I'm doing something leisurely, or even on my own, these things continue to occupy my mind and preoccupy my mind. It's the kingdom of God. Because the Lord Jesus Christ lives and reigns in us. And so he asks God's people to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Now the temptation is to split the two and say, okay, what's the kingdom of God and what's the righteousness of God? And I'm not sure whether the Lord Jesus Christ sort of intended for it to be split. I think he kind of is saying one and the same thing. You know, I could be wrong, I don't mind, it could be something different. But I think he's sort of talking about the same thing. It's sort of similar to if I was to say to you, hey, you know what, you've got to love the people in your church and you've got to really serve those in the fellowship. Well, I'm not really saying two different things, am I? I'm saying the church and I'm saying the fellowship. It's kind of the same thing. And I think the Lord Jesus Christ is saying a similar thing here. He wants to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Listen to what uh, Romans says also. Paul says in Romans, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Romans 14. So what Paul is saying here is God's kingdom is not eating and drinking, but it's righteousness. Yeah, it's the same word. It's righteousness. And so God, Jesus is saying here, he wants us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to us because I think what Jesus is saying to us is everything of God's kingdom, of his realm, of everything that he owns, everything in life that belongs to him, he wants us to seek. To allow everything that is in the realm of God be the thing that occupies our lives and our hearts because Christ lives in us. And we give of ourselves completely and wholly and totally over to the hand of God. You say, wow, that's a big call. That's a massive call of God in our lives. And I say, yeah, that is because that is not necessarily massive, but that is the expectation. This is the God, this is the the expectation of the Christian who has come to put their hand to the plow and to give their life to Jesus. This is what it is. This is this is faith. This is faith. When Jesus asks us to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, of course, it's in a context. And I don't really want to speak about the context this morning, but, but we know, it, we know we, a lot of us are familiar with what the context is that he's talking about here. And essentially, if the context is, is, the, is that he does not want us to worry. 
He doesn't want us to be so preoccupied about the things that people generally in life worry about, food, clothing, and all kinds of things. People spend their lives worrying about, and again, I don't think it's limited to food and clothing. I think Jesus is giving some examples of the things that people do preoccupy themselves with, you know, food and clothing, and it could be housing, and it could be income and security, and all sorts of things that people continue to think to themselves, but I've got to get this right, and I have to make sure this is all settled before I think about other things. And my friends, we're getting it wrong Remember, Jesus is saying to us in the context of worrying about things that are good in and of themselves, but things that have the temptation to have you compromise God. And so he wants to flip it around again and says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Let your worry rest in the hand of God. As you seek him and him first. Why? Well, he tells us in verse 25. Look at what verse 25 says. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Isn't that beautiful? He says, I'll tell you a reason why I don't want you to worry about these things. Okay, it's like Jesus is saying, I'll tell you a secret. I'll tell you a secret why you don't have to worry about these things. Because life is more than the body. And life is more than food. What defines you and who you are is not about what you eat and what you wear or where you work. These aren't the things that define you. These aren't the things that give you life. These aren't the things that are going to help you in life. Ultimately, your soul has a hunger and a thirst that is much deeper and richer than these things. And though outwardly they somewhat seem like significant and they are good and proper in and of themselves, but when they preoccupy us to the point where we miss and we neglect the kingdom of God, then we have it flipped the wrong way around and it hurts our souls. And Jesus is saying, I'm going to tell you something here. Life's more than food and the body's more than clothing. When I created you, I created you knowing that I gave you life, not to be consumed by food and the body, not to be consumed by clothing, but I gave you life that you'd be consumed with my kingdom. So he tries to communicate this. And therefore, he wants us to focus on things that build and build for eternity. Look at Matthew 6, verse 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart is going to be also. And so this is the whole, Jesus is building a, building a very good reason to why he's saying seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Because he says to us, I don't want you to be building things where at the end of the day you can have all these things on this earth and you can think to yourself, I have got it all settled. And he says, but you know what? It all kind of just goes. You can't guarantee that it's going to last. Moth and rust destroy them. Or in a moment they can disappear. How many times have you spoken to people perhaps that have said that they've lost a whole bunch of money overnight 
It's not one of those things that you are capable and guaranteed to be able to hold on to. And Jesus is saying a very similar thing here. We can build things that where rust and moth can destroy, or we can build things that rust and moth cannot touch. The things of eternity. Where our eyes don't look on things that are temporal, but things that are eternal. Because he says this, there are going to be treasures in our hearts. And if you allow those treasures to be things of this world, if you allow them to be things of this world, then what's going to happen is this. That's where your heart will be also. It's a very simple principle of life, a very simple principle. If you seek after something that's not God's or not of God or not something that God wants you to seek after, if you seek those things, if they become treasures for you, then it's a very simple principle. Your heart will eventually go toward them. It's going to be very simple. And then you cannot argue that your heart is for God anymore. And sometimes the best way around that and the best way to fix that is a very simple word we call repentance. It doesn't necessarily mean we have to change it and go about necessarily start having a plan to make it different and make it better. Yes, that could be part of the process, but at the very start, it could be a very simple thing of saying, God, I have made other things other than you my treasure. And I repent. I turn. Help me to establish treasures in heaven where moth and rust cannot destroy. Because what's being destroyed, brothers and sisters, is not just the things you have, but potentially, or your soul, and also what's being destroyed, potentially, are the people around you. So there's a lot at stake. And so Jesus is rescuing us from this. He's being good to us. He's saying, I want you to seek first the kingdom, and I want you to trust me with these things. Do you understand what he's saying? And so the Lord Jesus, in his kindness, if you like, toward us, is helping us to understand what life really is about. The Bible tells us, and I want you to think about this, the Bible tells us in in Matthew 16, who really gives life? He says, Jesus says, what does it profit a man? What does it profit to a man if he gains the whole world but loses his soul? What's a profit a man or woman if they gain the whole world but lose their soul? That sort of should shake you to the core. That really what I need to profit is my soul. And then he says, and what is a man, what and what will a man give in exchange for his soul? <laughs> Can you imagine someone coming to God one day and saying, Let's, let's use the picture that everyone thinks of it. Not that I'm saying this is accurate, but let's use, and you, get to, you get to the gates of heaven and um, God says, no, sorry. And you say, but you know, look, let, me, let me just hang on a second. Let me go to my bank account. Let me just, what about this God? And let me get all, all these possessions and you bring, God, but I worked really hard. I was a faithful man. I was a loyal man. I worked, so, can this get me in? And it's like, what about all these achievements, Lord? What about our reputation, Lord? The idea is, Jesus wants our trust. He wants our faith. He wants us to, to hold on to him that like life depends on it. And if we get these things, well, we get these things. If we don't get these things, well, we don't worry about these things. We trust 
in what he has for us. Because what really, what, what can we really guarantee in life? I mean, really, what can we guarantee in life? It's by the grace of God we're all here this morning. Remember the man who said, who had so much money in the Bible and he thought, what am I going to do? I've got enough places to store it. I've got enough barns to store it. And he says, I know what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger ones. That's smart. I'll build bigger ones because I haven't got enough to store all my stuff in. And I'll say to my soul, soul, you have many goods laid up for many years. Take your ease, eat, drink, and be merry. Sounds like a pretty good life. He's done well for himself, set himself up, and now it's time just to rest and be merry. But God said to him, fool, this night your soul will be required of you. Then, those, then whose will those things be which you have provided? So is he who lays up treasure for himself in heaven and is not rich toward God. Wow, that's sobering, isn't it? That is sobering for us to remember that at the end of the day, what we ought to be seeking day after day after day is first the kingdom of God and all those things that are in the realm of God. It ought to be consuming. Now, how, what contrast, what we just read, contrast to Colossians 3 where it says, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is sitting at the right hand of God. So here, brothers and sisters, is the wonderful contrast for the Christian. We're not the ones that think we're going to tear down barns and build bigger barns because we've got not enough room to store the things that we're getting in life and we're making us feel really good in life. But what we're going to do is this. If we've been raised with Christ, we're going to seek the things that are above first and not the things that are of the earth. Now, let me just give you a little bit of a, a thought before I go on to start to wrap this up. Some people can look at this and think to themselves, the temptation, because I see this all about God's love. I see this all about God's incredible love to warn us, to tell us, to remind us, to help us, and says to us things like, hey, if you seek me first, if you truly put me first, if you trust me above all these things, I will, I will take care of these things for you. If he's really, if we're trusting him, then the temptation for people is to, is to say something like this, well, that, look, that sounds pretty transactional to me. You know, if I do that, God will give me that. That's not how God works. God is God of love. God's saying, you trust me and I'll care for you. You hold on to me and I'll provide for you. Because he first and foremost kind of wants us to do this. Look up and trust him because he will look after the things that are around us. And some might be tempted to think, oh, great, fantastic. God wants me to, to, to seek him first and, and not worry about these things. So I'm going to stop working. I'm going to give up my responsibilities. And I'm just going to sit home and just wait for God to use me. Well, of course, that's not what Jesus is saying as well. Because all the other scriptures in the Bible basically says to you, get up and be responsible. But see, what he wants us to do is to seek him first in whatever we're doing. Have a heart that is consumed by his love. We can trust him with all our heart. 
and not allow these other things in life to preoccupy us to the point where we compromise the things of God for the sake of trying to rescue self. So, like all his promises, God is faithful to what he says. God is faithful in all his promises. In all his promises. He wants to make sure that he, uh, so he wants us to be sure that he is faithful in all that he does. Consider, for example, when he says, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, what's going to happen? You're going to be filled. Because you hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus isn't saying, if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, I'll consider whether I'll fill you or not. But if you hunger and thirst after righteousness, you shall be filled. Just like if you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, you, that God is going to provide for you in all those things. When the Bible says in Isaiah 40, that those who wait on the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. Again, these are the promises of God. God is faithful that as we wait on the Lord and we trust on the Lord, those who are feeling weak in themselves, the Bible says, you know what? If you wait on me, I will renew your strength. And just like if you seek me first, I will add to you. This is God's, this is God's love. This is faithfulness. We hold on to this like it is our life because it is our life. And God sees the trust of his people. He sees how they are uh, being faithful in their trust. Um, the Bible says in Hebrews 11 this, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Let me repeat that. For he is the rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So these things, whether they be food, clothing, your needs, emotionally or physically, all these things are good things and things that God will add to us, but they must not preoccupy and consume us. God must be first in all things. Jesus must be Lord in all things. He must reign in all things. And so if I'm going to uh, fight for myself at the expense of the character of Christ, if I'm going to pursue things uh, in life and people think, wow, that's pretty odd. I thought he was a Christian. Look at, look at, look at how he's acting in this because he wants it so badly. And there's something wrong here. If I'm worrying because I don't have something that I think would make me happier in life or form a sense of identity in life or make me secure in life, rather than trusting him, then there's something we need to bring before the Lord. Asking him to help us be a people who seek first the kingdom of God. Brothers and sisters, we have one opportunity on this earth and we want to be God's people who seek God's kingdom. So let me finish with this verse from Psalm. When David... In Psalm 139, when David spoke volumes of just the, the love of God in this passage. Remember that when he says things like, you knew me, my mother's womb, you knew me before I was formed. And he speaks volumes about how much God was looking after him even before he was born. He then concludes this psalm by saying this. Because he knows how much God loves him. He knows how much God cares for him. He knows how much God's invested in him. 
He prays this prayer to God. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. And see if there is any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And I wonder if this morning we would make that our prayer. That we'd be a people who seek God and trust him with the things that may cause us to be anxious. That we are people who seek God and trust him with the things that we think we need above God or so much so that it consumes us. And we're able to pray to the Lord this morning and say, Lord, search me, know my heart, try me and know my anxieties. It's a very brave prayer. It's a very brave prayer. See, Lord, is anything in me that shouldn't be there and lead me in the way everlasting. Let's bow our heads this morning and come before the Lord. As we, as we come to seek the face of the Lord this morning, the Bible says, seek the Lord and his strength. Seek his face forevermore. David says in the Psalms, Lord, you told me to seek your face and I said, Lord, your face will I seek. We come to investigate, inquire, and be consumed by all things for his kingdom. I pray this morning that our hearts, we can pray together. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties. See if there's anything in me, Lord, that should not be there. And lead me in the way everlasting. As we, uh, as we come to close today, I pray that you guys are encouraged in the word of God to trust Christ and Christ alone, to know that he's faithful to his word, his word is true, and he's faithful to his promises. Let's continue to lean on the Lord and to allow his life, his truth to consume us in everything we do and say every day. Let us pursue all things for his kingdom and the realm that belongs to God and make our lives completely his. Father in heaven, I thank you, Lord, for this morning. I thank you for the worship. I thank you for the fellowship. I thank you for your word. You are good to us, my God. Your promises are true. You are faithful. And we come and we surrender our hearts and lives to you. You are enough for us, Jesus. May you burn this truth deep, more and more deeply into our souls. And we hold on and trust you with, completely with our lives. Father, we pray your blessing to be upon your people this week. Make your face to shine upon them. Give them your peace, Lord, and may your grace continue to carry them. In Jesus' name, amen.